In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I would like for us all to think a little this morning about our favorite Jesus stories from the Bible. Uh, I'm sure we each have one. Uh, maybe you've thought some about that. Maybe you haven't, but maybe now is the time. What is your favorite Jesus story? And I actually want to know, and I wish we had time to all go around this morning and, and share our favorite story of, of Jesus from the Bible. We don't have that kind of time, though. Maybe on the way out uh, as we're leaving, you can share with me as you've thought about it. Uh, I would guess, though, that some of us would have the same stories in mind, but we might hear a, a lot of different stories. Some of you might like a story that shows the the tender compassion of Jesus, like when he holds and welcomes and blesses the little children in his arms despite the protests of his own disciples. Or, or some of you might like a, a story like Jesus sitting with a Samaritan woman at the well or when he eats with tax collectors and, and sinners because maybe you feel like one of those outcast type of people and and the fact that Jesus welcomes you in by faith in him is a, a special promise to you. Or, or maybe you like a, a story like Jesus calming the raging storms because maybe right now your, your life feels pretty stormy and, and you need the reminder that you have a God who is Lord over creation and solidly in control of your life. I, I would expect that we'd hear a variety of, of different answers uh, about which is our favorite Jesus story. Uh, but one thing I'm sure of is that I, I, I highly doubt that any of us here today would have chosen uh, our reading for today, at least the, the beginning of it, the first 10 or 15 verses or so. Uh, I, I would guess that the beginning of our reading probably wasn't even on uh, the top 10 list of, of any of us here today. And, and that's because it, it seems as though we meet a very different kind of Jesus at the beginning of our reading. There's the, the Jesus that we love to hear about, the, the Jesus who welcomes the children and, and accepts the outcasts, the Jesus who calms the raging storms of our life. And, and then there's the Jesus we meet today. <laughs> Not a Jesus who's giving compassion and mercy and grace, but a, a Jesus who seems to be commanding and demanding things of us. A, a Jesus who doesn't promise forgiveness, but who promises hardship and, and trouble. A Jesus who's calling us not to a life of ease or, or luxury, but, but one of sacrifice and, and service. Right? Jesus today says these hard words, who want, for wants to be first must be slave of all. And, and we can just quickly read through these verses. And uh, so that we can get to the good part, like when he heals the blind man. Uh, but what I would like to do today is, is to stop and maybe pause and to reflect on what Jesus says to us today and in the description he paints for us of a life of discipleship and that it's not always warm and fuzzies, <laughs> the, the life that Jesus describes. He, he describes his own life, that he is going to live a life of suffering and sacrifice, that he's going to die for the sins of the world, sins he never committed, and that his disciples, James and John in particular, but the rest included too, that, that all of Jesus' disciples are called to a life of less, a life of sacrifice. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that today, and, and we're going to meditate on it. And, and if you have meditated on it, uh, maybe it's been hard for you to reconcile seemingly two different kinds of Jesuses that we meet in the scriptures, the loving, caring, kind Jesus that makes us feel good about ourselves, and then the Jesus that we meet today, the, the Jesus that demands and commands things of us and who talks a whole lot about loss and and sacrifice. And, and maybe that's the kind of Jesus that we struggle with, uh, struggle to connect with, struggle to make sense out of. Uh, the, the problem though, and, and we talk about this often, the problem is not with Jesus. <laughs> it never is. The problem, if we are struggling to wrap our minds around the Jesus we meet today, the problem is with us. 
And the problem, I, I think, is how we approach Jesus or how we treat him. And I think all too often we treat Jesus like this, like one of our politicians. <laughs> it's election season, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, if, if you've turned on the TV and, and seen the debates or all of the commercials that are going around. And, and it, it occurred to me this week as I saw all of that that uh, uh, often, and maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but I, I think I'm not alone, we treat Jesus like a presidential candidate. Right? What do we expect out of our presidential candidates, our politicians? We expect that they are there to do our bidding. Right? They are there to go about our business, fulfilling our needs. They are there to represent our desires. And they will only get our vote if they do what we want. And if they don't, well, we wait four years, six years, however long it takes, and we vote them right out of office. Right? And uh, all too often, I think we approach Jesus in the same way, like he is a politician or, or a, a presidential candidate. He is there to do our bidding. He is there to represent my desires, my wants, to go about the, the work that I want him to do. And, and sometimes he does, he makes us feel good, but sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's how James and John were approaching Jesus in our reading for today, weren't they? They were treating him like a presidential candidate and they were vying for the vice president spot, right? They wanted to sit on his right and his left. They wanted some positions of powers. What could Jesus give to them is the question they were, they were asking in their minds. Uh, but Jesus did not come to be a politician, He's not running for office, right? He's king, he's savior, he's lord. Uh, and yet, all too often, we, we treat him like that. Um, it made me think about what if our politicians, our presidential candidates, uh, talked like Jesus talked to his disciples during their campaign speeches or, or, or during their debates, right? We would never vote for them if they did, right? Can you imagine one of our politicians getting up there during the debate and, and talking about how much they're going to demand from us once they were at often, but how little we would get in return, right? No one would ever vote for them. Or if they said, I'm going to raise taxes, but you're not going to see a dime of it. Or I'm going to make you pay into Social Security, but you can count that you will never, never reap the rewards, right? Uh, can you imagine a presidential candidate talking like Jesus, talking about how hard life is going to be? Not promising all sorts of good things, but promising trouble for us. Uh, that's what Jesus does today, it seems as though. He's, he's promising us, us all sorts of trouble and loss and sacrifice. He says we're going to have to, to not be served, but to serve. And, and, and we, might, like Jesus, might have to give our lives up for that. But again, Jesus did not come to, to be a politician. And in fact, what Jesus is doing today, and, and hear me out here, and I know the analogy is not perfect. Jesus, in our reading for today, at least the beginning, he's acting for us not like a candidate, but like a river rafting guide. Have any of you here today ever been whitewater river rafting? Anyone? A couple of you? Okay. Been a couple times in, in Wisconsin. Not quite my thing. Um, I'm too much of a scaredy cat for it. Uh, but, but hear me out. If you haven't been, maybe you'll understand. A river rafting guide is not there, believe it or not, to simply tell you what you want to hear, are they? Right? They're not there to make you feel good and to just kind of whitewash everything and, and pretend things away. The, the, the job of a river rafting guide is to get you to your destination safely, to make sure you end up where you need to end up. But uh, in order to do that, they're going to have to speak to you some hard, stern truths sometimes, aren't they? Right? They're going to have to tell you when a turn in the river is coming that you can't see. They're, they're going to let you know when there's rapids ahead. And that might be frightening, but you need to know they're coming so you can be ready. They're going to tell you when there's a rock lurking beneath the surface that, that you don't know about. Uh, they're, they're there to point out the hard truths 
and to let you know when you're not pulling your weight or you're paddling on the wrong side of the ship, they're going to let you know. And that's what Jesus is doing today, in a sense. He's, he's speaking these hard words of suffering and persecution, not to scare us, but he's determined to get us to where we need to be, and he wants us to be ready for the trouble along the way. And so he's going to point out the rocks that we can't see lurking beneath the surface. He's going to tell us about the twists and the turns in, in the river and the rapids that await us. And I, I think we need to spend some time thinking about that, not to just rush through these words to get to the good stuff, the healings, the miracles, but to consider the implication of what Jesus is saying and to take them to heart and to consider for ourselves what it might mean to, to live a life of less and to, to, to consider what it is that Jesus might be asking us to give up because he shares these words for a reason and they are hard. Just like when the, the guide tells you that there's rapids up ahead, it's not easy to hear. But Jesus shares us these words so that when the trouble comes, we're not scandalized by it. We're not troubled by it, but we've been prepared and we've seen it coming. And he's, he's leading us in the right direction. Uh, Jesus is, is also like a river rafting guide in, in that he's not asking us to do something. He's not asking us to suffer as one who hasn't suffered himself. Right? Any good river rafting guide, I would recommend you if you're, you're looking to go whitewater river rafting, don't go with a guide who's never run the river before. Right? Not a good idea. You, you ideally would want someone who has run that river a thousand times before. Right? And they know about the twists in the river because they've run the, the raft aground. And they know about the rocks lurking beneath the surface because they've hit them and flipped the boat. And they know about the rapids because they've got dumped and got really, really wet and had to swim to the end and had someone pick them up, right? Ideally, you want that river rafting guide who's seen it all and suffered it all. And, and the same is true of Jesus. He, he lets us know that today. He calls us to a life of less and, and loss. He talks in James and John about suffering and persecution. But he says it as one who willingly took that upon himself. He does not ask us to do anything that he has not already done. Yes, a life of discipleship will be difficult, but we do it knowing that we have a God who doesn't just sit up in some throne somewhere shouting down orders, but who jumped into our world, into our mess, and who suffered himself on our behalf. And that's where I think the analogy, uh, as far as it maybe has taken us, begins to all fall apart. <laughs> because Jesus isn't just another person in the boat with us. And he doesn't just suffer as we have suffered. He he goes much farther. He travels farther down the river than he ever asks us to go. Jesus traveled all the way to the cross. And that gives our suffering a whole new perspective because we don't suffer in order to, to get our way to heaven. Jesus suffered on the cross so that we would be there. Suffering is now a, a reflection of our relationship with Jesus. And, and, and it's changed. We go through the rapids and we we travel around the rocks and we go through those turns and twists in life knowing what awaits us, knowing that we will get to the destination safely, knowing that there is an eternity of hope and love and grace and forgiveness waiting for us because Jesus traveled the river all the way to Calvary. And so now life is hard and we need to consider the implications of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But as hard as it is, as, as his people, we also have a life of peace. We, we get in the boat and we travel the rapids with hope. Uh, we, we live with Jesus knowing that he is with us all along the way. So we thank God today, this election season, and it'll last uh, a while longer now, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> it'll feel like an eternity. 
Uh, but we do so knowing that Jesus is not just another politician. He's not running for office. He's our king. He's our Lord. And yes, life is hard as his disciples sometimes. It is a life of less. But, but we have Jesus guiding us. And we have the Jesus who knows what it's like because he has suffered too. And we have the Jesus who has suffered on our behalf so that one day we would rest easy in his arms of grace for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.